Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kalorik. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kalorik out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. Well, welcome. Welcome to Pandora's Lunchbox. I'm sitting in for Mike Perini. This is Randall Beyer, and Mike is in the breadbasket of the United States tonight. He's in Nebraska, the greatest sunflower state in the nation. As well as other well-known food items. Now I want to ask you, what does this music conjure up to you as a food item or as something to flavor your taste buds? You're listening to the Taraya Orchestra of Algiers. Yabe is the name of their piece. So this is called Narhubi. I'm thinking hummus, that ever-popular, now-American dish. And uh, Mike and I did a little research, and we found out that there are there's a slew of articles now coming out about how hummus has invaded America. But, of course, the, uh, the headline that I found here on the Wall Street Journal blog called uh, Corporate Intelligence. is called Fear Not, Mr. Colbert. Hummus didn't invade America. America invaded hummus. How do you spell the word? How do you prepare the dish? How do you think about this as a kind of cross-cultural attachment to North African culture all across cultures of the Middle East and and Andalusia Mediterranean, what is going on? Hummus is conquering America, says the Wall Street Journal. The New York Times, hummus catches on in America as long as it's flavored. That's so true. Think about it. Every water has to have like kiwi strawberry. Every hummus has to be red pepper, garlic, or possibly, I don't know, what what would be a suitable attachment. So here we go. Let's let's listen to what Mr. Colbert had to say regarding the latest fad. Thank you so much, Nation. You know, they say you are what 
to eat, so I guess that makes me constantly. This is thought for food. Folks, I have long guarded the border of the American mouthscape, AKA the freedom hole. For instance, when salsa outsold the classic American condiment ketchup, I tried to ring the salsa alarm, but I missed and hit the Taco Bell. And they just gave me more salsa. Well, folks, this invasion of the body snackers just got worse. With more Americans trying to eat healthy, hummus is getting more and more popular, huh? Yeah, hummus has long been a staple of Middle Eastern cuisine. Well, demand for it is really rising as Americans seek more healthy snacks and spreads. And the Wall Street Journal says sales of the food segment, which includes hummus, actually totaled $530 million at U.S. food retailers last year. That's right. Hummus. <laughs> The delicious Middle Eastern appetizer. Now, I've warned you about creeping Sharia nation. Now we have spreadable Sharia. And it's made with chickpeas, the legume of doom. Known by many names, Sanagalu, Chana, the Bengal Gram, or down Mexico way, Garbanzo. It's come up over our porous southern border in league with Alpida <laughs> to steal American snack jobs once held by onion dip and your finger. <laughs> Not on my watch, folks. Stay vigilant. Next up, folks, I don't want to brag, but I have friends. <laughs> I'm not just my computing buddy, Carpool Carl. <laughs> he saves me a ton on tolls and always lets me pick the tunes. But Making new friends is tough. For one thing, I'm totally uninterested in what anybody else has to say. And I meet so few people who share that interest. Fortunately, there's a great new way to make friends. And like all the best ways, it involves alcohol. When two people clinked their cups, they became friends. Each person that entered a Bud event would connect their Facebook profile with the cup's chip. So they just did the same as always. Well, we're fading out of there. I'll get, get up some other music in a moment here. But uh, I want to read you a couple comments now. Uh, the spreadable Sharia concept or the legume of doom brings up all kinds of interesting uh, conflicts. First of all, how do you spell hummus? And how do you do it with a politically correct way? You know, it's an Arabic word. So one could say it's brought to you by the letter ha, meaning chickpeas, hummus. And the complete name of the prepared spread in Arabic is hummus bi tahina, which means chickpeas with tahini. Pretty, pretty straightforward. We've got H-O-U-M-O-U-S. That's standard spelling in the British English. I got to thank, by the way, the, um, I got to thank the uh, British uh, English aspect of the Wikipedia here to help me along. Um, we've also got the spelling of, um, let me get my words here, H-U-M-M-U-S, H-U-M-M-O-U-S, H-O-M-M-O-S. 
You can have it various ways. H-O-M-M-U-S. The article here settles for H-U-M-M-U-S. I think we'll be settling for H-O-U-M-O-U-S. At any rate, let's stay with the, uh, the theme. And I'll read you a little bit about what the New York Times had to say about this. The Invasion of Hummus. Back home, they would shoot me in the head for doing this to Hummus, Majiwadi said, as he waited to board a flight to Los Angeles, where he would meet with Costco executives to pitch his company's roster of 14 flavored hummus varieties, including artichoke garlic and spinach. Maybe it's spinach. By, by home, Mr. Wadi meant Kuwait, where he was born, and Jordan, from which he emigrated in um, 1994 a place where hummus is usually a puree of chickpeas, sesame paste, lemon, garlic, and not much else. Mr. Wadi is a chief executive of a specialty store called Holy Land. And in the past two years, a few years, he's brought in the plate, the palate of hummus, and its appeal. It's an American product, fast becoming an American product. And later on, later on he explains, you know, Mr. Wadi said his mother helped create this appetite. Eat, 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 taste, taste, taste. That's all my mother ever knew how to say, Mr. Wadi said, recalling the early 1900s when Fatima Wadi was in charge of production and sales at Holy Land Hummus. She worked the street festivals, the gay lesbian parades. Everywhere she went, she went with a tub of hummus and some pita. So in the gentrified retail corridor north of downtown Minneapolis, this place began to take, take on. And now we have hummus flecked with jalapeno. Guacamole. Guacamole flavored hummus. Hummus. And uh, all kinds of other absurdities, including the absurdity of my punctuation. Well, I'll just give you a taste of what the Wall Street Journal said. Hummus is conquering America. Sabra Dipping Company, a joint venture of Pepsi and Israel's Strauss Group, wants to cultivate a commercial crop in Virginia to reduce its dependent on the chickpea's main U.S. growing region, the Pacific Northwest, and to identify new chickpea varieties for its dips and spreads. Imagine jalapeno-flavored chickpea direct from the, from the pod, and so on. Well, I thought, well, okay, enough of this. We've only got 30 minutes to explore various aspects of Pandora's Lunchbox tonight. And uh, what I'm going to do is take our... Uh, fabulous Arabic orchestra here and give you uh, a recipe that might be something a little bit more akin to the natural habitat of the food we call uh, hummus but also some other foods from the region that uh, are well known including the uh, baked, roasted or stewed dish called tajin now I'm reading from a fabulous website um, uh, called The Daring Gourmet, found on the web, of course. Lots of wonderful pictures, and this is a recipe for Moroccan chicken, apricot, and almond almond tagine. Now, a tagine, of course, as many of you know, of sophisticated uh, Pandora's Lunchbox listeners, know that tagine is a uh, pottery, ceramic cooking vessel. Uh, popular across North Africa and uh, and uh, in Spain as well. It's a uh, almost like a steam pot looking 
uh, type of uh, implement with a conical top, which of course keeps keeps uh, piles of food <laughs> inside, but also works to uh, bake and steam and stew at the same time. Uh, the dish, of course, is named after the uh, the implement itself. Well, imagine a potluck around a tagine, a Moroccan stew, a special North African pot formed entirely of very heavy clay. It's often painted or glazed, but it immediately brings you to uh, a style of eating, which is more more communal, uh, interpersonal, and group-oriented, of course. If you uh, place this cone uh, with the cover removed, the base can be taken to the table for serving, of course. Um, but the food has gone into it and stewed. I'm going to give you a little bit of a recipe here. Of course, Moroccan food and a lot of North African food is cooked uh, and served with a very fiery chili paste known as harissa. And uh, there is a harissa recipe here which uh, there are many, and you can just put the word, again, a spelling issue. H-A-R-I-S-S-A is the way that I think it's commonly spelled. But let's look at this, uh, this, this uh, fabulous recipe, which is a combination of butternut squash, apricots, uh, raisins or dark cherries, sliced almonds, garlic, onion, uh, in this case, chicken cubes, and, of course, a mix of spices, including... The following, which is a really lovely way to put these together. Turmeric, cumin, coriander, cinnamon, some uh, vegetable or chicken flavoring, chili paste, uh, the various ingredients I mentioned before, chickpeas, and of course it's served under over-steamed um, grain of couscous. Tagine and couscous, according to this galloping gourmet, is the entrance to heaven. You need a lot of ingredients for this. You basically heat oil in a Dutch oven, the bottom of the tagine, add the onion, the garlic, saute, add the chicken, the various spices, stir to combine, saute until the chicken is no longer pink, and uh, then the squash, stir to combine, Add some broth, some chilies, bacon heat, covered for about 25 minutes. Garnish with these livered almonds and serve with steamed couscous. Bring this water uh, to a boil in medium saucepan, add the couscous, fluff it up. Now that is not the way to make true Moroccan couscous. That is normally steamed for a long period of time, washed in water, steamed twice, maybe three times in a special vessel, but this is the quick way, the, the American way. So this is made for the American appetite, but I thought it would be a nice contrast to sort of put the fad of hummus face-to-face -face with the um, growing fad, I think, of tagine. I've seen tagines in the local stores, and what was an instrument that you, um, an implement that you used to find in, oh, I don't know, more gourmet stores you now are finding in you know, Costco and and uh, other other places. Not that I've seen it in Costco yet, but I'm sure it's on the way. 
At any rate, we'll play this piece out. And, um, of course, coffee is well known in North Africa as well. And we're going to go on to a coffee segment. After 15 minutes of this, we've had about enough time to give us a taste of the the hummus. uh, I wouldn't call it controversy. I would call it the, the hummus scene, I guess. And we'll move on to cups of coffee. Let's play this out a little bit, and uh, we'll be back in a second. Texas House Coffee, I like it. Ooh, I have coffee blues sometimes. You know, it's good coffee. And I tell you why, it's a good brand of coffee. Good, you know, it says on the can, you look on this, good to the last, last drop. 
And it's good. And if I can get just a spoonful, sometimes it will. Ah, then got, ah, yeah, just a little bit. That's a spoonful, that's all right. It'll kind of kill the blues, the coffee blues. See my day by a loving spoon, by a loving spoonful. I've just got to have, yes, loving. up and down he laid his bible down for his loving spoon for his loving spoonful he just had to have his loving you can bring me whiskey you can bring me tea Doesn't satisfy me, but my loving spoon, but my loving spoonful. Well, I've just got to have my loving. My baby packed a suitcase and she went away. I couldn't let her stay. For my loving, my loving spoonful. Well, the women's in Greenwood, they raise the same. It's all about that loving spoon, that loving. Sliding Delta, that's They slide and Delta run right by my door. Sliding Delta will run right by my door. So, uh, I'm going there's some coffee stuff going on in uh, Baby, Seattle. Go. 
I'm going up the country. Got a report here from the Seattle Times. Called Suspended Coffee. It's a nice gesture. We're getting their coffee blues. Can you spare a dime or a few dollars for a cup of coffee? Suspended Coffee comes to Seattle. Even if you don't know exactly who will drink it in the end, would you spare a couple dollars for a cup of coffee? It's called Suspended Coffee, where a customer buys an extra cup of java that a business will give to a future customer in need. The movement is apparently originating in Europe, or originated a long time ago, and I guess they pass it on, has been making a worldwide comeback. It may sound like an urban legend, but it does pass the Snopes test, according to the uh, Snopes.com test, according to this article. And, uh, of course, in Portland, where things always start, uh, a shop has started, you know, making it more popular. And um, the Wallingford Cafe manager, Ashley Mangoni, talks about this. She set up the Essential Baking Sospeso, suspended coffee project, where customers can buy a token for an extra cup of coffee. The tokens are pictured on this article here. It's... Uh, 2000 May 6th article on this in the Seattle Times blog blog.seattletimes.com and uh, it's uh, generated a lot of support a lot of kindness and a lot of happiness for various coffee drinkers now it's also spurred plenty of debate since the idea went viral with questions about whether it's logistically practical whether people would abuse the system whether the money would be better spent other ways such as giving it to food banks well, I'll let you folks decide. But, uh, you know, you've just got to have one more cup of coffee. We love you, Bobby! before we go, and this time into space. It seems that some Rice students, and I guess they're answering a challenge, are attempting to make a better cup of coffee for space. 
Since the days of the Apollo program, astronauts have been complaining about the coffee. And by the way, this comes from K, uh, station KUHF FM. For consumption in space, it comes freeze-dried in aluminum pouches, and the taste isn't very good. So a group of engineering students from Rice set out to make the space station more like the real thing. Can you imagine the Starbucks flavor out there? Care for a little Sulawesi? It turns out their design may be useful on the International Space Station for more than just a cup of joe. When astronauts drink coffee in space, it's hardly a gourmet experience. Like all liquids aboard the space station, coffee comes freeze-dried in aluminum. They rehydrate the pouch with hot water from a dispenser and drink it up. Well, that's the problem. From the start, they started imagining what it would feel like for their design to go into space and maybe have something more akin to brewing. So they developed a system using aluminum pouches and a 3D printed roller to help astronauts customize their coffee. They can pour exact amounts of cream and so on and so on. It gets absurd here from here. I'm going to just stay with the aesthetics and uh, I'll let Bob Dylan and White Stripes finish us out with a coffee theme today. It's been my half hour pleasure to be with you today. And uh, stay tuned for the rest of it tonight. We'll see you next week. Well, I won't, but Mike will be back with tales of uh, sunflowers and, and other things. Me too. It's 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. 88.3 is the measurement. We've got another hour of vintage Thomas Waller. These are Fats Waller recordings from the 1920s. Beginning with a player piano roll that was issued to the public in 1924. The name of this little marvel is do it, Mr. So-and-so. Fats Waller, face the music. (laughs) 